Hi everyone, this is Tim along with Anthony and this is episode 30 of the Radio MVPs, 30 of them, Anthony. We're going to get into that too a little bit later. We're going to talk about some of the stats that I uh, uncovered, how we have grown since the uh, the first podcast. As uh, we're not even a full year into this, but it's going to be a lot of fun getting into that. But we're going to get into the the Baseball Hall of Fame. Results just came in in the last hour, so we're going to have and of course, uh, congratulations to Jim Tomey, who uh, makes it on his first ballot. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, getting almost 98% of the votes. Excuse me, almost 90% of the vote. We'll get into it in a second. But I just want to remind everybody quickly, if you get this download through iTunes, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, the more ratings and reviews you give, the more Others will be able to find us and help us grow Radio MVP. You also can find us on Google Play and Stitcher and any other podcaster out there. And please don't forget to go to our website, RadioMVP.com, and give us a like on our Facebook. That is Facebook slash Radio MVP. All right. Out of the way. And we can get into the fun part of the day as uh, baseball has uh, announced their 2018 class of Hall of Famers, and in it is a Cleveland Indian as near and dear to everybody's heart, Jim Tomey. The four players who qualified through the Baseball Writers Association, Kipper Jones, Vatty Glomero, Jim Tomey, and Trevor Hoffman. So uh, not a big surprise. I think uh, everyone thought four in. One player on the outside looking in was Edgar Martinez, who had 70 uh a little over 70% of the vote, needed 75 to get elected into the Hall of Fame. He came up short again. We're going to get into that a little bit. But more than anything, uh, I'm excited. I'm happy for baseball. And uh, there's some players that were left off the ballot. I want to say left off, just didn't qualify this year. A lot of controversy on some of them. We're going to get into that a little bit. Just, you know, talk about what is a Hall of Famer. I mean, we everyone has their own opinion. And Let's face it, that's exactly what the Hall of Fame is, is is a combination of numbers and opinions and your performances in certain games. Let's let's be honest. And it always has been about those type of things. It's more than just numbers. It's personalities. It's a little of everything. So uh, before I get, go even more into on my own, let me bring in Anthony. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. It's uh, fantastic when you look outside and see 30 degrees and Snow and ice coming down again to think about and talk about baseball. It's uh, it's especially great when one of your uh, favorite team's players gets inducted. And uh, what a really good class this year. I'd say, if you look at the four guys that made it, it's just really good players. I mean, it, you know, I think we all know Chipper Jones and Vladdy Guerrero and Jim Tommy, but Trevor Hoffman, I mean, he was a National League version of Mariano Rivera. And he helped uh, carry the Padres to the, was it the 99 Road Series or Road Series in there against the Yankees? I, I forget what year. Um, yeah, you know, I was going to say, I don't want to forget the other two Hall of Famers that got in on the, basically the, uh, I forget exactly mm-hmm. what they call it nowadays, but of course that's Jack Morris from the Tigers and uh, Alan Trammell also went in yes. this year. So it's a big class, yes, it six, is. Six, six players. It's great. That's the first thing I want to talk about. I am so thrilled to see a legitimate class yep. 
for baseball hall of fame. It's been so long. They went about 10 years, 10 years plus maybe of one, maybe two, one year was zero. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, it was the, uh, it, it was the veterans that put in a play, you know, a player that year. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, you know, I know it has to be difficult to get into the hall of fame and I have no problem with a threshold that has to be made. It's great to see an actual class where baseball gets to celebrate his past, its glory, and celebrate these players who the ultimate goal in the in sports to be a part of a Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's um, it, anytime you make the Hall of Fame, and like we said, you know, what really is a Hall of Fame? What defines a Hall of Fame? Or it's more opinion and stats combined, but it's really a great honor. And seeing it firsthand with the NFL this year, and I went to Canton for their Hall of Fame induction, it's just a special moment uh, for the players and the families and former teammates and coaches uh, that helped them get to this stage. And especially baseball. Baseball is such a grueling sport that people, you know, it's 162 games. And most of these guys, you know, that made the Hall of Fame, year in, year out, they were 150 to 155 a game. Uh, players year in and year out. You just look at their numbers; it's staggering. Uh, it, it's incredible. Um, you know, and playing baseball myself and being around my whole life, uh, you just sit in awe of these guys when you watch them. I remember watching uh, Vladimir Guerrero when I was a little kid, and it, it was like he was playing wiffle ball. The ball we pitched at his knees one pitch, or we pitched at his eyes the other pitch. And he would find a way to hit 375 feet to left field gone. It, it, it was incredible. Um, Aguero is just the best bad, bad pitch man. hitter I've seen in baseball. Oh, I mean, he ended up goodness. with, I think they said, 449 home runs. And, you know, he batted over basically 300 for his career. No, there was Montreal Expos. That was probably in his prime as, yeah. as a uh, player. And. You know, not many people got a chance. Well, I'm going to say more than anything, a lot of us never got a chance to see him play Mm -hmm. because of that reason. Yep. Um, We read it in the box scores. You've seen him on maybe a uh, A baseball game. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But you did not see him on a daily basis unless you lived in Montreal. You know, and maybe the Indians playing for three games or two games a year. Yeah, and back then the interleague play was not, you Mm -hmm. know, very prevalent. I mean, I know it began 20 years ago, so yes, they did play. And I remember him when he came to the American League. Don't get me wrong, I know who he is and I know what he achieved. I'm just there's a guy who was really, you know, I hope he goes in as a Montreal Expo. Put it that way. I I I think that's the cap he needs to wear. All deserves to. cherish in their history in Major League Baseball. And, you know, without question, I, I honestly do believe he's an expo, and I hope that's the way he goes in. But, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. I mean, what Guerrero was able to do with the uh, – like I said, he may be the, the greatest free-swinging player that you're ever going to find. Chipper Jones maybe the greatest switch-hitting home run hitter Of ever. all time. Yeah, I mean – what he achieved at third base defensively and what he was for the Atlanta Braves during their amazing run, I think, where they win like 13 straight division titles. Yeah, or 13 or 14 like division that. titles in a row. Phenomenal. And uh, he was just an anchor there. He just mm-hmm. knew every day they were writing day in the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chipper Jones was going to be in the lineup. And 
There's no question about it. One of the one of my favorite players in baseball. I'm glad to see him get in. One of the good guys in baseball yes. too. Guy that everyone talks about is, of course, Jim Tomey, as we let mm-hmm. off with being Indian fans. Uh, played for eight major league teams mm-hmm. uh, along the way, and uh, you know, runs just naturally strong man who was able to really understand how to launch a baseball better than most. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think he had over sixteen, almost seventeen hundred RBIs. I mean, it's just phenomenal what he incredible. It's uh, just a, your prototypical power hitter, and it's just amazing to see. Of course, at the end of his career, he became more of a DH, and I'm glad that didn't hamper him. Uh, yes, he did play first base. The probably the first ten, you know, either third base or first at the first 10, 12 years of his career. But then, and the he was a good defensive started, player when he and, played until he got hurt. There's no question about that, and uh, I'm just uh, really uh, – I mean, let's face it. He's in there because of how uh, how many home runs he had. Yes, he did. Uh, I mean, they hit over 600 in a major league career is just phenomenal, and there's no question about it. Uh, but I'm just thrilled. I mean, I could go on about stories that, you know, we both yes. remember. Yes. Uh, you know, about Jim Tomey's career. But I guess the thing I always remember the most is the home run in the 95 World Series, you know, uh, that I was one of the, the, one of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it clinched the game and, you know, yeah. and it was a game. I remember him, you know, later in an interview talking about it, you know, as they were t- recapping that season, he goes, oh, I went to the plate. I only had one thing in my mind and that was trying to hit a home run. And mm-hmm. he, he achieved that. And he did. Uh, you know, unfortunately that series went to the Braves, uh, his uh, Hall of Fame. Teammate, yeah, yeah, his his uh, Hall of Famer and Chipper Jones uh, ended up with his one World Series uh, win against the Indians that year in '95. So, uh, a terrific class. And then you look at uh, you know Trevor Hoffman, maybe one of the greatest uh, closers in the game, mm-hmm. really cemented his idea of what a closer can be. Yes. And it doesn't have to be a flamethrower as much as a guy who actually knew how to get people out. Yes, mm-hmm. he got strikeouts along the way. But uh, he knew how to get the outs in the ninth inning. And his career with San Diego probably, you know, obviously everyone will remember that. And, uh, you know, I can't see him going anything in but a Padre. So, I mean, that's just the way I see it. You know, Chipper, obviously, there's only one team he played for. That's Atlanta. Exactly. And uh, so it is what it is. I'm happy for that. I love the Hall of Fame in general. I can't wait to, I think it's uh, July 29th this year. Yep. The induction, so uh, I will definitely uh, be seated on my television seat that night, that afternoon, watching that. And if uh, God willing and situation goes up, up up to uh, to uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame that year, I wouldn't mind doing going to Cooperstown, but I'm not sure I will. Yeah, uh, I never have. It's a uh, long drive, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's not even that. It's just you know you have to plan for something like that, and yep. you have to make you have to have the time yeah. to do it. It's so tough to plan that far in advance, yeah. Yeah, and it is, but I mean, if there's one scenario where it's worth going, I think this year. This year is it. You know, with this class, it's just phenomenal. I mean, you even got Jack Morris going in. I said, you know, Alan Trammell, you got Trevor Hoffman. Mm-hmm. This is a great class. Very good phenomenal. Class. I'm really, Very and I'm thrilled. Class. This is what it's about, you know. But, Anthony, what do you consider a Hall of Famer, and what, what what are the qualifications you're looking for? If you had a, 
a, a ballot in, in your hand every year. I'm not saying I want to mm -hmm. know who you would vote for, but what are the what are you looking for if you were going to mark a check mark next to that person's name? Well, you know, I I think also you got to look at the numbers. You know, that's going to be the first thing you look at, but that's not going to be the only thing you look at. I want to say uh, longevity. You know, um, now. I say that, and my favorite Bronco went in the Hall of Fame this year, and he didn't have a long career. So, um, you know, I got to think how they impacted the game of baseball. It, you look down at these guys, and every single one of them, like you were talking about, you, you could sit there and mark down two or three games or at-bats or, you know, things they did that, impact of the game of baseball in a positive way. And I think also you got to look at their postseason numbers. Um, now, we, now Guerrero didn't play on a lot of great teams uh, being in Montreal, but that's another thing, you know, he made baseball Montreal relevant for the most part. I mean, who's going to watch the Expos? Well, the 94 post team. Well, they're at, 94 team, they're really good. They were, yeah. The best team yeah. In baseball. I was going to say that was the strike year. That was the yeah, strike year. Yeah. It's the year um, that they probably were the best team in and baseball, think, and unfortunately the strike came along. I think you also got to look at, you know, did they do it the legal way? I mean, I know that's a huge debate yeah. for a whole, you know, that could be a, a generational debate, five podcast debate for hours, you know, and we don't know if, you know, I, I mean, all these guys could have taken something throughout their career. I mean, it, let's be honest. As many creams and as drugs and, and, you know, as many of those things are out there and there's so many chemical compounds in these things, you know, these guys are playing 10-plus-year careers, 162 games a year. I, at some point, you're going to take something, not intentionally, that – is against now there are some guys, Roger Clemens and, you know, Barry Bonds and all those guys that did it knowingly. Um, but I heard a debate a couple of days ago and I on Bonds, and he would have been a Hall of Famer if he didn't take steroids, according to some people. Just the sheer speed and power he had with the Pirates. He was incredible. Um, well, he was a Hall of Famer, you know, yes. Yeah. I mean, we put it this way. I since we're talking about a little bit of that uh you you here's the thing they weren't the only ones to be involved in performance enhancing mm -hmm. drugs it, you know that's yep. not i'm not condoning what happened i'm not i'm just saying they weren't the only ones uh you can look at Roger Clubs you can look at Barry Bonds you can look at other names with that, you know, Sammy Sosa uh, and and others who are not in the Hall of Fame right now, they have more than anything. Mm -hmm. Is they weren't? It wasn't a select few that were doing it. It was an entire generation yes. of baseball players yes. who were involved in this, and it was a long time coming. Yeah. Yes, baseball needed to clean its act up, and they did in the long term. But the truth of the matter is, I don't necessarily and that you have to put these guys in. Now, there's nothing wrong with telling the story of what 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 happened during that did, time yeah. period. 
And, and, you know, and those who come clean, like, you know, McGuire has and others, mm-hmm. if they ever get into the hall of fame, I honestly truly believe that you should don't deny what they achieved. Just note what happened during that era. You know, it's, it's kind of like the black Sox. I mean, we banned the black Sox forever and it was, it's not the correct move. Uh, you know, shoeless Joe John. Jackson was is a, is a Hall of Famer and should have been a Hall of Famer and others. I, there's nothing wrong with notating what happened and telling the story of that player and that era and what was going on, not just in baseball, but in America and what was going on in the 90s. Uh, there were people I knew who uh, were wanted to get big and strong and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and they did do that. Uh, no, they just had physical desire to do it. Yeah. And, you know, they weren't athletes, but that's what they did. And it was part of a, I'm just saying it was part of America that we don't necessarily see. Yes. Look, when you're an athlete and I've said this many times, I don't care what sport you play opportunity to make the type of money that they do. You're going to take every advantage you can. And some of them cross the line doing that. Mm hmm. Uh, some of them did it to stay the sport that was unregulated at the time. And I understand all that. I'm not, my point is, uh, I have no problem. If you voted for Sammy Sosa, if you voted for Roger Clemens, if you voted for Barry Bonds, I have no problem with that because what they achieved during their career and not the entire career, Ramirez, not the entire career was, you know, performance enhancing yeah. drugs it just wasn't i know darn well the entire career wasn't uh yes maybe the majority i don't know you know without them actually telling you their story i don't think we'll ever know that yeah I, we can I, definitely we can definitely find a way to include these players who who have that opportunity you know my my definition of a hall of famer excelled at at a high level of what they achieved, what they did for a, a period of time. Mm-hmm. Now, a period of time could be 10 years. It could be 20 years. It doesn't have to be longevity. It could be consistency of that. But that, and that brings me to someone like Omar Vizquel. He's, he's to me, a Hall of Famer without question mm-hmm. for what he has achieved. You know, you can look at all the numbers. And they don't tell the entire story. Uh, you know, he did have 2,800, you know, hits in his career. You know, he did play for a very long time. He has 11 gold gloves and there was nobody better in, in my lifetime. And I seen Ozzy Smith play. There was no one better at the game than, than Omar Vizquel. He was a game changer. There was no one who could achieve and do what he did. Uh, great player, an amazing defensive player who made amazing acrobatic plays. And yes, he had a few big hits in in the playoffs, and that no doubt enhanced his career, you know, in, in a Hall of Fame uh, balloting. And I'm not taking that away from him because you have to come up big when the opportunity comes. However, you know, baseball making the playoffs is the sport in, in the world to do it. Now that they expanded the playoffs, it's a little bit easier, but you're not well, to 90s. a point where it's it's absolutely it's it, you know it's still the hardest sport to make the playoffs in the NFL, unlike the NBA or NHL, you know, they have the expanded format 
for the playoffs, baseball still really does not. Uh, yes, they, they've evolved into the wild card, and we've seen how that's effective. We, now we see the one-game playoff wild card, how that affects a team. And if you're a Pirate fan out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're an Indian fan, you know what I'm talking about. Because, uh, you know, everybody knows what's at stake in a Game 7 situation, a winner-takes-all one-game playoff. And that's, you know, and that's what baseball has for uh, if you play 162 games to qualify for a one-game playoff. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts, but it's it's this format they've went to, and it's fair. No one wants to be put in that situation if you're a fan or a player or an organization. But that's the format they have. And, you know, it is what it is, and I, and I accept it. And, you know, when the Giants went on to win the World Series a few years ago, out of the wild card position – Yes, they did. You know, they had to go to Pittsburgh and win. They had to go on the road on two series and win those and in the World Series. So, you know, these things, you know, are meant to be. Uh, things like that happen. And I and I have no problem accepting the results of that. I think. But that's to me what a Hall of Famer is, is can you do it over a, a condensed period of time at a high level? High level you yes. know, Sandy Koufax is the perfect example of that. Career. When you get down to it, bottles into about a seven or eight year period where he was an absolute dominance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yes, he retired when he was like 33, 34 years old or something like 32 years old. He did retire early. You know, the first few years of his career, he was, I don't want to say average, just not at the exceptional level. But when, when he got to that level, he dominated baseball during his time period. And, you know, I, I think he has 215 wins in his career or, or maybe just less than 200 wins. I have to look that one up. But uh, my point is dominance is dominance. And it can be for a short period of time if it's done properly. And, you know, if someone's uh, an injury shortens a career, it should not hamper that person's ability to be judged for what, what type of career he has. Now, if it's only five years in major league baseball, you're not going to get into the hall of fame. 12 year career I think you have a legitimate argument if you're dominant during a th- you know 75% of that time and yeah, when- you know not every player has been dominant during their their entire career who accumulated if you accumulate over a long ter- period of time I have no problem with it because you know you get 3,000 hits that's an exclusive club Yes, it is. You need to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, you get 500 home runs. You need to be in the Hall of of Fame. You know, you get X amount of stolen bases and on-base percentage, you know, like a Ricky Henderson. You know, and Ricky was an all-around ball player, don't get me wrong. But, you know, you have a claim to that that thing, baseball. I think baseball has, you know, such a unique brand of a Hall of Fame because players who were dominant for a short period of time that did make it, and she accumulated over a 20-year career that are Hall of Famers. And it just really depends on, you know, on the player and what he, uh, you know, was able to achieve during his career. Yeah. So my, my definition of Hall of Fame is kind of kind of murky in a way, but I honestly yeah. think it just comes down. Were you dominant during your time on in the game? And did you do enough to during your time? And there are fringe players that are can be debated about that. You know, and, and a perfect example is Kirk Schilling. 
Yep. Kurt Schilling was dominant at times, but was he dominant for his entire career? Nah. Ah, you know, that's right there on the edge. You can make a case for what he did with the Boston Red Sox in the in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and winning the World Series two times there. And that's a great story. And what he meant to the what and what he meant to that yeah, club. Yep. Absolutely, you can make the case. And, and I'm the gonna say, also. I mean, I don't want to take anything and in Philadelphia too. Yep. I mean, his career, he had you know different stops where he was absolutely the the ace of the team and or the number two guy. And you know, uh, you know, he's he's an interesting case. And there's other players I want to talk about who have similar numbers that he does in the Hall of Fame. So, in my opinion, and, and I've had this for a while now, if if baseball elects you know, a Kurt Schilling in the Hall of Fame, then you have to go back and put about three other people in the Hall of Fame who have very similar numbers. Yep. Talk about why, you know, why he made it and the others didn't. And don't just point to the postseason because the postseason is such, I don't want to say a crapshoot, but you have to be on the right team. And, you know, he put leverage. I mean, give Kurt Schilling credit for his career on this level. He used his leverage as a player to make sure he was on teams that could compete for championships. Yep. He knew he was going to Arizona for that opportunity. When he left Arizona, he was only going to Boston. You know, there was, you know, there was only, he leveraged himself and that's fair. I have another problem with his leverage to get, you know, and, 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 you know, when he turned down the chance to come to the Cleveland Indians when he was with Philadelphia, you know, that was a big shocker because everyone thought he would chase the World Series. Yeah. But he, he, you know, he made sure he didn't come to Cleveland. He used his leverage, you know, and uh, it is what it is, uh, you know, uh, part part of the game. And there's other players that didn't have the same leverage. They had very similar numbers and had a very sparkling career. And I want to get into that in a little bit, but I want, you know, Whatever you want to talk about here for a second, go right ahead. Yeah, I think, you know, like you were talking about, when you just watch these guys, you knew they were Hall of Famers. And when I was a young kid, and I I had the privilege of growing up in the 90s uh, and watching those 90s Indians teams, and you would just watch Viscal, and you thought, yep, hands down, he's a Hall of Famer. What he did with the glove alone, was absolutely incredible. I mean, he would make some of the the hardest plays look the most routine. I'll never forget, 97, 98, the Indians played a one of their last spring training games was against the Akron Arrows at this time up at Canal Park as like a fan appreciation. And he played the first three or four innings. And Vasquez, for every ground ball hit to him, fielded the the ball with his glove behind his legs and made the play so routine. It was like he was a magician. And I know we call Ozzy Smith the wizard. It it was just wow. And then I I don't want to hear, but I saw the blaze. Well, let's put it this way: no one used his bare hand as a glove better than Omar Vizquel in baseball history. Simple as that. If you can catch line drives you. with your bare hand, when you can go into the hole with your bare hand and throw people out, I mean, this is what made him so uniquely special. And 
are his highlight reel out there. And oh, those who want to check it out will. I look, might do it after I our mean, podcast. Here's, you know, here, Omar's final numbers were this. Uh, he scored 1,445 runs. He had 2,877 hits. And he batted 272 for his career. You know, if you go by the new war numbers, it was 45.3. But his career was not a war during no. a war career. No, you know what I mean? That, that's a new thing in the last five, seven years that people have talked about. And I get it. They A lot of, a lot of the uh, baseball writers association today are younger and they look at stuff like that and they take that in consideration. But still looking at, uh, at a career and I know you can make a case, you know, for him not being a hall of famer on those numbers. But if you look at just, Overall, he's let's 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 put it this way. Uh, he stole 404 bases and was caught only 167 times. In baseball, you know, and and that's a it's a forgotten thing today in baseball. Yep. So I we can make the case for Omar, and Omar got 30 percent of the vote this year. So I actually think long term, I think he's going to be okay. Yep. Uh, he may. End up being Alan Trammell, being a Veterans Committee person, the Hall of Fame. But I honestly do believe if the writers don't put him in long term, the Veterans Committee will. That's just my opinion. I agree with that. I have no, I just think that's most likely. And I do believe, um, you know, he got 37%. He got even more than I thought. He got 30%, 37% of the vote. It's just to double it, a little, you know, and he'll make the Hall of Fame. So, as time goes, you usually your numbers grow, and don't ask me why that works that way in baseball Hall of Fame, because your numbers don't change year after year after you retire. But you know that's the way it works in baseball. You know, you know, and Trevor Hoffman's a perfect example of that. Last year he had seventy four percent of the vote. He just missed making the Hall of Fame. You know, Trevor Hoffman gets almost eighty percent of the vote. So you know he increased his vote total by six percent. And his numbers didn't change from last year to this year. So it just yeah. shows you that. And, uh, and, you know, I guess the biggest controversy people talk about is Kurt Schilling. We were talking about it earlier. Yep. At 216 votes, 51.2% of the vote. Kurt Schilling, by the way, team total wins Win. in the yep. major leagues with 146 losses and ERA of 3.46. Dennis Martinez. Had 245 wins, 193 losses, and an ERA of 3.7. Oral Hershiser had 204 wins and 150 losses and an ERA of 3.48. I don't see a difference between any of those three players. I don't either. I don't either. And if you want to talk about Hall of Famers, I have no problem with that. Yeah, but well, you better put Oral Schurzheiser and Dennis Martinez yep. in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Is there, I mean, you're talking about Schurzheiser did it with the Dodgers in 88. It was just phenomenal. I yep. mean, they don't make the World Series without him. One of the most dominant pitchers of all time. And take away, you know, my fandom for him as a Cleveland Indian. And I mean, yep. that was, I was a fan of his when he was a Dodger. Uh, but, I mean, you look at those numbers, it's, it's just, I mean, those three players. If you can make a case for Kurt Schilling to be in the Hall of Fame, that's Martinez and Oral Hershiser. Yep. 
belong in the Hall of Fame with those type of numbers. Yep. I don't think there's a difference between those. I mean, 3.48 for 3.46 for for Schilling. Dennis Martinez, 3.7. And when he has more wins, 245. Hershiser has 204. And Schilling has 216. Is there really that much difference between those three players? No. I don't think so. And I don't see how you can absolutely. Yeah. Now, here's a player who probably is going to be a lot like Plylevin. It took forever to get into the Hall of Fame. You know, Perlilevin, I think, had like about 284 or 85 wins in his career. So he was just short of that magic number of 300 when he retired. He had 270 wins, 153 losses, and a 3.68 ERA. Mike uh, Musina had 63.5% of the vote I think the, he uh, in the Hall of Fame this year. Oh, it's a matter of when. Yeah. I mean, there's – I mean, now, of all the pitchers we just talked about, those – you know, those uh, four pitchers, there's no question in my mind the most deserving is Mussina, yep. and then the other three are on the same level. Or Kirk Schilling, Schilling can ever go in, uh, you know, in my opinion, you know, you have to have Dennis Martinez and Oral Hershiser on that. And, and Mike Mussina, you know, he goes in ahead of time. Matter of fact, I don't even know if Oral Hershiser is still on the ballot. I think he fell off a couple of years ago. I think ago. he's off, yeah. Yeah, he is off. It's and of course Dennis Martinez is off too. Yep. Uh it's it's nuts. I mean, obviously that's gonna be veterans committee will have to correct that. And I'm not sure, you know, how how much that will happen. We'll have to just wait and see when and if that does happen. But uh I look at those players and I and in my opinion, those are all Hall of Famers, you know, uh all five of them that we talked about there, you know, the four pitchers and Hershiser, Schilling, and Mucina obviously is a guaranteed. And then Omar Vizquel, you know, there's another guy on the outside looking in. You know, Fred McGriff, I think is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Long term. I do too. Uh, he uh, he has nine years left on the ballot. Oh, no, this is ninth year on the ballot. Yeah, this is ninth year. He has one year left. He's not going to make it. Probably not. Nope. That's a veteran's yeah, He only had 23% of the vote. I just don't see it happening. No, he's uh, not. It's going to be really tough to to get fifty two percent in a year. No, it's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. We already know where. You know when the ones to look for next year are obviously Edgar Martinez, Mike Mussina. Yep. Simmons may be on the outside looking in, or may make it, depending on how many more votes he gathers that people would be willing to put him in with a PED. Uh, you know controversy to his name and then you know barry bonds is the same vein i think all four of them now kurt schilling could make the big jump next year he had 51 percent yeah he will need basically 100 more votes to get in i don't know that's a lot that's a lot it could happen though but you know i look at the hall of fame in general and i you know it's it's an important part of baseball history it's an important part of all sports history in my opinion because this is how you pass the game along to generations. Yep. And, uh, you know, this is what it's all about. But, and I look at baseball hall of fame. I'm just, you know, I look at it and I, you know, I'm just glad they did the right thing. And, you know, Jipper Jones and Jim Tomey went in on first ballot hall of famers. So we didn't have to worry about that. Nope. What I'll never get in baseball 
is why, how could someone get 97.2% of the vote and not 100% of the vote? Yeah, I, it's, and, you know, and, uh, you know, Vatty, Vatty Guerrero got, uh, he got 93% of the vote, you know, and Jim Tomey got just about 90% yeah. of the vote, you know, 89.8. So, I mean, it's just about 90% of the vote. I mean, I just don't know how you leave off superstars and, 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 and there are some people that have a weird way of voting. It's just, yeah, you know, it's I, like you said, you it's know, an or, opinion. It is, you know what? I'll say this for this. They've gotten new members into the voting uh, universe in the, in, in baseball writers association now and more are voting. I think matter of fact here, I, I seen a stat here. Uh, average ballot for the 2018 election contained 8.46 names. You can have a maximum of 10 names you can name to the Hall of Fame. Uh, 50% of the of the uh, writers used all 10 slots. So they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, they are. Yep. I'm, for a long time there, we had blank ballot this year. And whoever that person was that put in a blank ballot. For, what are you doing? The, if I was a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America, I'd kick them out. I would too. That's just, I mean, that that's, is a slap that's, in the face. That's more arrogant than anything else. Yep. You're absolutely thumbing your nose at the sport that you covered, and you're absolutely thumbing your nose at every player who's ever played the game, not just the potential Hall of Famers that were on that ballot. And uh, well, I'll say this I, like I said, we've got new writers, you know, voting now than in the last 25 years. And here's a stat I didn't recognize, but the Baseball Writers Association has now put in 16 players over the last five years. So they're actually making classes again, Good. which is great because there was a time period there. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't explain it to you. They just they one player went in. Yep. Yeah, they just didn't want to put anybody in. Uh, it is what it is. You know, that's one of my favorite sayings. Yes, Nothing you can do about it. It's the wonderful world of sports journalism, I guess. That's baseball Hall of Fame for you, but you know Hall of Fame in general, and uh, you know it's fun. I'm glad. I'm happy for Jim Tomey. I'm happy for Vladdy. I'm happy for Chipper, and and of course uh, Trevor Hoffman too. I think those are all deserving. And Edgar Martinez, he's going to get in. He'll be he the first full time DA. Yep. You know, and let me state this: as long as baseball had had and 1970 put the DH in, player an opportunity to. Being the Hall of Fame because he was quote unquote a DH is absolutely insanity. I, I agree. It's, it is part of baseball. It's part of baseball. Yep. You, you may disagree with it and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. I, I accept it. But you know what? It's still part of baseball. It's a position. He you did his job. Day 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 you can't deny what's going on mm-hmm. every day in baseball. And uh, let me say this too about the DH. You know, this two-league thing's gone on way too long. I agree with that. I almost got rid of it in the 80s. Unfortunately, uh, a little lang cost that from putting into uh, the National League. Here's what I would do. If I was commissioner of baseball, it would be a really simple thing to do. Change the rule that it is a manager's decision in either league in any game. So if you have a pitcher you want to hit, you know, 
and that's what you think is best for your team that day, I have no Hit problem em. with it. I agree with that 100%. And if you don't, if that manager wants to use a DH, that's up to that manager. I agree with that. And I think in the end, baseball managers will choose a DH. Yep. The partners of the world will bat. There'll be, you know, um, the times of the world who will bat. And I have no problem with that. I really don't. But in the end, let's let's just put it in the hands of a manager and let him make that decision. Just like he makes decisions every day during a baseball game about who pitches and when they pitch and how they pitch and what the lineup looks like and when they get pinched hit for. Put it in the hands of the manager. Let them make that decision or not. And if Team A wants to use a DH and Team B doesn't, mm-hmm. that's their choice. You know, and, and they can run the game that way. And it's not like you can add the DH once you start the game. It is what it is. Yeah, once you, and, once you submit your lineup card, right. it's in. Once your lineup card's turned in, that's what you're playing by. And you have to, you know, deal with the rules of how it works. And that's yep. the way I look at it. You know, I just wish baseball would be that simple, but it never some is. Some things are too uh, common sense. Yeah, I mean, that's probably really what it is. I mean, some things kind of like my make way too much sense. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of like my, th- you know, I've said this before. I don't know if we said it on the podcast, but I've I've mentioned it many times before. You know, I'll change subjects real quick about the NFL or just overtime general in 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 football. I love the way high school and college does it. I hate the yep. way the NFL does it. I think it's the worst overtime in sports. NFL did changing their the how they do the. First of all, the way it was was horrible the way mm-hmm. now it's even worse and that's hard to do <laughs> hey believe it's uh, the nfl I, right yeah and uh you know look it's an it's an easy fix i, I would I, if I could here it is it's the 20 40 60 rule you know high school you put the ball at the 20 yard line and you play within and in the winter you know how it works yep football College football starts at the 25. I move it back to the 40-yard line a little farther. It's a higher-level football. Let's let's make it a little bit more more challenging and give offense and defense an opportunity to make plays. In the NFL, I put the ball at your own 40 where you have to go 60 yards for a touchdown, and you have to drive the ball to get a field goal. Yep. Uh, No punting in the game. And, and I let the best team wins. This way, defense still have a chance to make a play. Yep. If they intercept the ball, they return it for a touchdown, you know, and this and that. And if there's no punting in the game, you're flat out just and see how far you can get there. If you can make a touchdown, great. If you don't, kick the field goal. If you go for it, that was the gamble you took. Yep. I mean, that's the way I'd fix that. But, you know, that's just my – Sometimes it's too easy that way. Humble opinion. You know? Yeah, it makes too much sense, and I don't think it'll ever happen. And uh, I don't have the ear of anybody in the NFL, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I'm an idiot, anyway. So who cares? <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, but I get mean, back into like, it. Yeah, go ahead. And the NFL's overtime rule now, granted, Tim Tebow and Demarius Thomas made it beautiful for me a couple years ago that I loved it. Um. Which makes no sense. If you score first, the game is over. If you score hey. a touchdown first, the game hey. is over. What? I understand hey. that's the rules. And, and you know, everyone plays under it, okay? But is that the dumbest freaking rule in the world? That's like saying, okay. It's 
The first one to make it's like, it's like the first the Emmy overtime wins the game. Yeah, it's like a I don't care oh. get that. You know, in, in soccer, but you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I don't watch soccer enough to care. So uh Okay. You know now here's a question for you. Do you in golf, yeah. do you prefer sudden death hole? Sudden death a aggregate three hole score, or do you prefer an 18-hole playoff. Well, I like the U.S. Open's 18-hole playoff because that's just exciting and it's different and yep. it's unique. I agree. The with British that. Open does it proper with the four four-hole playoff. Four, yeah, yeah, because then you have to do it and aggregate over four holes and yep. see who does the best. And usually, after four holes, it's over. Yep. And I have no problem with that. Uh, during the the actual tour, I have no problem with with Southern Death. With you hole. know, each hole. Yeah. Now, if I in the majors, personally, I think Asian of both. I think I like the U.S. Open being uniquely different. Eighteen. Yep. And, and having the eighteen hole playoff. However, the others, I would love them to see them all be unified and, and go with a four hole playoff. I agree. Including with the Masters. I mean, I understand the drama of a Southern Death playoff, but. Hey, you can just make the I Masters a amen corner. And- I, I think if you're going to play for four days and you're tied, yep. I think of X amount of holes. Uh, during the regular I tour, that. I don't care, honestly. Because, I yeah. No, I mean, it's important that. to that to that event, but television reasons and others, you can have yep. the death playoff. I but agree for that. the majors, I would rather see at least a minimum of four-hole playoff. Yep. And if, and of course, the USGA is never going to change. It's going always going to stay eighteen hole. I like the eighteen, and, yep. I, and I have no problem with that. But if I if I had the magic wand, it would probably be a four hole playoff at the U.S. Open, which has always had the eighteen mm-hmm. playoff. I mean, that's the way I, I see it. I think that's the best way to do it. Uh, and uh, I like the British Open for that reason. I think the yep. the, the Open does it right. Uh, they they give the golfers who qualify for the playoff an opportunity to do something over four holes this way they can make a comeback or if they fall off it's not an agonizing as 18 holes if you you know as we've seen in the past some of the the golfers uh you know wave the wave flag on on hole number 11 it out so yeah uh, i think four holes is is for majors is perfect uh leave the way it is and during the regular tour Sudden death is perfectly fine with me because yep. it's it's not really that big of a deal. I love it. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, there's a lot going on, Anthony, in the world of sports. Yep. But I don't want to go too far into it tonight. Let's, um, you know, your, your thoughts on the Hall of Fame one more time, or anything else you want, and we'll kind of wrap this up. And uh, we're going to be back on Thursday night, and we're getting into the NFL. By the way, congratulations to the Eagles, and and congratulations to the Pats. Yep. We're get into that one. We got time for that. I will say this. Uh, I was hoping for anarchy. <laughs> I as I was for anarchy. I, I, was, I was rooting for the Bortles and a foil uh, Super Bowl, and on Nick Foles, and uh, – Blake Bortles Super Bowl. I was absolutely rooting for that for the last uh, all week. And it has nothing to be uh, anti New England or a uh, Minnesota. 
it was purely just I wanted two quarterbacks to have the uh, the least ratings and uh, had the theory behind it to make it to the Super Bowl. Got one of them in there, and yeah. you know, and I and I and I all the uh, the Twitter accounts and the, and the uh, Facebook accounts that kept saying you know about Brady being the uh, greatest of all time, the goat. I kept saying the new goat is Nick Foles. So, uh, you know, get ready. Here comes Nick Foles. I'm still going for chaos. I'm going with the Eagles as a little preview for me. But, uh, you know, in, 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 the, uh, in the NFL uh, on Thursday, uh, any uh, thoughts you have here before we wrap it up here? Uh, just quick on the NFL, you know, I know it's been another chaos, a Bortles full Super Bowl. You know, but those two quarterbacks have played really well. I mean, Nick Foles is playing at a high level right now. And Bortles against Pittsburgh looked really good. Uh, against Buffalo, he didn't need to do that much. And against New England in the first three quarters, he was he was playing phenomenal. Um, you know, but we'll touch on that tomorrow. Uh, just once again, uh, congratulations to my favorite player of all time, Jim Tomey. That's now Terrell Davis and Jim Tomey, my two favorite players in both sports, go in the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to you. Uh, and I remember the 500-foot blast he hit onto Eagle Avenue against Kansas City. And I don't know if Tom Hamilton has still calmed down from that. So uh, congratulations to Jim Tomey uh, for a lot of memories, a lot of fun times in the 90s and uh, fun times a couple years ago when we brought him back for that uh, swan song. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That was a great time. And- was it 2011 he made the uh, return yeah, to Cleveland? I think, I think it was. I think it was yeah, 2011, uh, you know, from August on, he was an, a, a waiver wire guy, I believe. So He came from Minnesota. We'll, we'll get into that a little later, another time. Yep. Uh, recap his career. We can even do that on Thursday. Yep. But the, the Hall of Fame is here, and uh, he's in it. Chipper, Vatty, and, uh, and Trevor, and. And of course, Jack Morris and Alan Tramble. You know, don't want to forget those two also this year. So it's going to be a great time coming this summer for that. But in the same vein, we'll, he'll be here sooner than we know. Yep. And uh, I want to take a quick shout out to uh, Newcastle uh, basketball as they continue on. We have our next game on a Friday night as uh, Newcastle will travel down to Blackhawk. You want to check out that game. It's terrestrial radio. It is News Radio 1200 WKST in Newcastle. You can get it in here at times, so give it a try. If listen on the internet, go to triplive.com. Click on the HSN, the yeah, High School Sports Network type thing. You'll find it there. It's a trip, hssn.triplive.com. And then you'll see broadcast in the corner. Click on the broadcast. It brings up a calendar. Just click on the calendar, and you'll find the uh, Newcastle list there. You can listen to it live on the internet, or you can download it and listen to it later. So that's uh, a great thing what they do with the Trib Live uh, High School Sports Network. So I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to them and everything they do. And uh, obviously, we will talk to you very soon here. Uh, don't forget one more time. You get this through iTunes. I opportunity to rate review and subscribe to us the more ratings and reviews we get the faster we can grow radio mvp we're going to get into some of the numbers since uh anthony and i started this past spring 
And uh, you can find us on Google Play and Stitcher and just about anywhere you find uh, podcasts nowadays. So please uh, download. Tell your family and friends. Let's help grow this thing. We've been doing a great job this year. Mm -hmm. We hope to double, triple our size here in the next year. And the only way we can do that is through you, uh, the listeners, telling your friends and family to download it and take a listen and enjoy uh, high school sports, college sports, pro football, baseball, basketball, you name it. We're going to be talking about it, whatever's going on. And unlike sports that you hear on the radio, we're going to get more intelligent and have more fun with it. So, uh, you know, talk about what's going on outside the game in a sense, uh, as we have many times. So, uh, one last shout out. I want to shout out to the uh, Youngstown Phantoms. I bought tickets about uh, 10, 12 days ago to them. And I went to see them play Team USA on MLK Day. And in the process, I got four tickets to the Harlem Globetrotters, which uh, my uh, my sister and brother-in-law with their two kids are there tonight watching the Globetrotters. So uh, shout out to them for putting uh, some great oper- great entertainment on the ice and on the hard floor this week. Uh, at the Cavelli Center locally. And it was uh, a good time at the uh, hockey game. And I'm sure they're having a great time tonight watching the Harlem Trotters. So for Anthony and Canfield, I'm Tim and Borman. You can catch me on the internet on triblive.com. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter at therealradiomvp.com. And I'm Tim Continenza on radio – excuse me, on Twitter – and you can find us always on RadioMVP.com. Anthony, anywhere you can find you on the uh, on the social networks? Uh, uh, just Facebook, my name, and Instagram at ACAP17. I uh, just posted a picture of uh, Jim Tomey and uh, some uh, pictures of basketball and such. I uh, just got a text real quick before we get off the air. Jim Tomey is overrated. So like you said, some people have their opinion of what a Hall of Famer is. I have my opinion of what an idiot is. So on that note, Tim, take us away. <laughs> All right. For Anthony and Canfield, I'm Tim and Borman. We will catch you on Thursday night here on Radio MVP. Have a great night, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.